Welcome to WTBU News Today. I'm Mia McCarthy. Boston has been cold but sunny lately. Temperatures Thursday are expected to reach a high of 43 degrees, with the rest of the week looking a little warmer but still cold and sunny overall. Now we'll move into the Boston University COVID-19 dashboard update. On Tuesday, November 17th, five members of the Boston University community tested positive for COVID-19. Four of them were students and one of them was an employee. For the week of November 11th to November 17th, 0.13% of tested students were deemed positive for the coronavirus, with 0.05% of tested faculty and 0.22% of tested staff also receiving positive test results. On average, BU's lab took 16.4 hours to process each test. While this is a smaller number of positive tests compared to higher numbers last week, it is still too early to tell if the recent surge is on the decline or continuing to increase. 52 students are currently in isolation and 218 students have recovered from the disease. Cerelia Liu is here now to report on Boston University's post-Thanksgiving plans. Thanksgiving recess is around the corner. However, due to the pandemic, Boston University is asking students who are currently on campus to stay on campus for Thanksgiving this year or to return home and stay there finishing this semester. According to an email sent from Kenneth Elmore, who is the Associate Professor and Dean of Students, on last Thursday, students who plan to leave and return for Thanksgiving need to isolate themselves for seven days, which means they must stay in their rooms and attend classes remotely, going out only for medical appointments and meals. These students must also receive three negative COVID-19 tests in order to get their stay-in-place requirement removed. According to the video, a guide to Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving at BU, made by Elmore and Judy Platt, the Director of Student Health Services, and posted on the Dean of Students' Office YouTube on November 13th, and also on Facebook and Instagram accounts, in order to keep students' compliance of daily COVID-19 testing and symptom attestation requirements. Students who plan to leave campus for the recess need to update their them from anywhere status. Also, for the date of return, students should select a date that is one day before the day they return since it takes 24 hours for the information to be updated. Students with more concerns and questions can call the Dean of Students' Office, 617-353-4126. In Taipei, Taiwan, I'm Surya Liu from WTBU News. Joining us now is Amanda Schneider with a story about threats towards a senator in Maine. A Maine woman has been charged with threatening to kill Senator Susan Collins by leaving her threatening voicemails. According to paperwork filed with the FBI in federal court, Collins began receiving the voicemails earlier this month with 56-year-old Katrina Preble of Bangor claiming she would kill Collins in the first set of messages. Preble was arrested on two counts of interstate threats after police and the FBI visited her home on Monday. The charges came after Preble left a second set of voicemails on Veterans Day, one of which mentioned decapitation. While the exact cause of the threats are still under investigation, Collins has received numerous threats in the past, which escalated during the time in which she voted to confirm Justice Brett Kavanaugh to the U.S. Supreme Court. In Fairfield, Connecticut, I'm Amanda Schneider for WTBU News. And now we'll head over to Gabriella Daly for a story about Pfizer's new coronavirus vaccine. Pharmaceutical company Pfizer said Wednesday that new tests show that its vaccine is 95% effective and is safe. This news comes only a week after they announced that the vaccine proved to be promising after preliminary 
results. Now the team is preparing to formally ask U.S. regulators to allow emergency use of the vaccine. They have now began receiving submissions for the vaccine from regulators in Europe and Canada, and will add this new data soon. Pfizer had initially estimated the vaccine was more than 90% effective because they had counted 94 infections in a study of 44,000 people. Now they have accumulated 170 infections in the study and said only eight of them were volunteers who had received the actual vaccine and not a placebo shot. Only one of these eight people developed severe symptoms. No severe side effects have been reported for this vaccine, but Pfizer said 4% of participants were fatigued after the second dose. U.S. officials have said that they are hoping for 20 million vaccine doses from Pfizer and Moderna, a company who had also announced a promising vaccine available for distribution in late December. The shots will first be offered to very vulnerable groups like people with serious health conditions and medical workers. From Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Gabrielle Daly for WTVU News. Next, a story regarding Trump's refusal to concede from Lainey Broussard. President Donald Trump has not yet called President-elect Joe Biden. For the first time in more than half a century, an incoming administration is being relentlessly stonewalled by an outgoing one. According to Politico, the Trump administration has not yet reached out to the Biden campaign, briefed Biden's transition team, or extended formal invitations to the White House. Furthermore, no discussions have been made about potential coronavirus plans, troop drawdowns in Afghanistan and Iraq, security cleanses, or background checks for job applicants. Trump's position of refusing to fully concede to Biden's win poses a huge threat come January, when Biden is sworn into office. According to officials who work for Republican and Democratic presidents, the United States must communicate that the country is able to commit to a peaceful transferal of power. If not, a message is sent to the rest of the world that the country is vulnerable and incapable of maintaining a strong federal force. For now, Trump's national security advisor Robert O'Brien has promised an orderly transferal of power to take place. But Republicans and Democrats alike are already questioning if O'Brien's promise is true. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Alanis Broussard for WTBU News. Finally, an update from Bonita Chang about a uniform addition for the New Zealand police. New Zealand police introduced hijab into their official uniform. Newest recruit Constable Lena Alley will become the first female officer to wear the official hijab. Representative of the police department said the aim is to create an inclusive service that reflects New Zealand's diversity. Constable Ali, who was born in Fiji, expressed her encouragement for more Muslim women to join the police and support the people. She decided to join the police after the Christchurch attack in 2019 that resulted in two consecutive mosque shootings by a single gunman and left 51 dead and 40 injured. Other countries that have a job as part of its police uniform include the United Kingdom and Australia. In Taipei, Taiwan, I'm Benina Chang for WTBU News. That's it for this edition of WTBU News Today. Be sure to tune in to our full program every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern over on WTBU Radio. On behalf of Gabriela Lopez, Megan Gregoire, Alex Corey, 
Farsha Subramanian, and Stella Lawrence. I'm Mia McCarthy reporting from Boston, Massachusetts for WTBU News.